Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asad Kids Podcast. I am your host, Jan Talon. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, a wife, a mom, and a grandma. This Us and Kids podcast is about how to be married forever while you parent together. This isn't an easy task, so I encourage you to subscribe to Us and Kids in your favorite podcasting app. I am glad you're here today because I have invited my friend and co-professional, Mark Vandellen, to join us to talk about the six things that we need for getting our marriage started well and keeping it running smoothly. I'm glad you've joined me. This is a powerful and direct, sort of very linear one, two, three, four, five, six suggestions on how to keep your marriage on track. Doable and reasonable. Really glad you joined us. Let's get started. I would like to welcome my good friend. His name is Mark Vendellen. He is a person who works with pre-marriage and young marriages and helping them get off to the right feet and um, get on the good path to make for a healthy long-term marriage. Mark, thank you for coming and joining us today. Glad to have you. Yeah, honored again to be here with you guys. So tell me a little bit, when you do work with couples that are saying, we think we want to get married and they're all sparkly eyed and, you know, we did all the engagement stuff, blah, blah, blah. And what are you looking for when you start to talk with them? What markers make you sort of have a red flag? Maybe what things do you say? Oh, solid. This gets you through a lot. Give me a little clue there of what you're looking at and for. Yeah, I let you use the word path, um, kind of the path to uh, like marriage health. Yes. Um, and so we've tried to identify what are some of those, like if you think about a, if we're going to map out a trip, uh, we're going to, we know that if we're going to go from point A to point B, there's a couple markers along the way, or we know that a couple hours in, we're going to need gas and a bathroom break. Uh, so we've tried to kind of use that same mindset of here on your path, here are essentially the six key things you need to have conversations about, develop skills in, and then continue to use those things throughout your relationship. It's not a marriage is not a set it and forget it kind of endeavor. I sometimes like to say it's kind of like a shower. If you if you don't if you go a long time between showers, you start to stink. Uh, same goes for with marriage. If you kind of ex- you get married and then you walk away from your marriage for a couple of weeks and you don't engage some of these skills, your marriage starts to stink and you feel it and you, and you you don't feel great about it. So we try to say like here are the six things like brushing your teeth, using shampoo, blah blah blah. If we keep using that shower analogy, but uh, that's what we've tried to do is like, let's set the path and let's equip you along that path. So if I want to set this path and I've been dating, hanging out with this person for a year and a half, what if my path is a mess? Like, can you get it straightened up? Maybe I should hear what's on the path first. Yeah, I mean, we would, we would explore that together. And I'm actually finding, interestingly enough, um, the trends of couples getting married today in, in 2020 mm-hmm is a little different than the path of maybe 10 to 20 years ago. Um, it's, it's a little less linear. It's a little less go to school, get good grades, meet someone, get a job, get married, have kids. Um, I'm actually seeing kind of this, this next generation 
asking some of these harder questions earlier mm-hmm. on. So prior to engagement, um, it's a really interesting trend that I'm yeah. experiencing. So I'm having couples say we're dating seriously. We would like to unpack some things before we move this to ring and invites and actual date on the calendar for a wedding, which I'm loving uh, because yeah. to your point, Jan, like if I'm, if, if our relationship feels like a mess, how do we unpack this? Previously, people were coming to me after they've mailed invites, mm-hmm. after they've got a guest list, and now they're all kind of a mess and want to get it sorted out, which is way more complicated. So now I have people saying, all right, we feel like we're on this path and we're on a good trajectory. Can you help set us up for success? Mm-hmm. So that's so, one really interesting trend that I've experienced. Maybe I'm being too sociological here, but so my thought is um, we've had no fault divorce now for a couple of generations, if not a few more. Um, and wondering if those kids that are talking with you pre-engagement are some out of the product of divorced parents. I'm not looking for shame and blame here. I'm just on the sociological level curious about that in terms of saying, I don't want to go through that. My That was not fun. And I don't want to set my kids up to go through that. So I want to be sure before I get too far down the road. Yeah. And I think if you continue that sociological, you know, even if I didn't have a uh experienced divorce within my own family, the, you know, generationally, we ask different questions. Um, So a lot of generations just ask what, like, what am I going to do when I grow up? What Mm -hmm. am I going to be when I grow up? Mm -hmm. This current generation is asking the why question a lot more, um, which is challenging thought in the workplace is challenging thought in relationships of what is the purpose of our relationship versus well, it's just what you do next is get married. So I think there is some of that. Like if I experienced okay. divorce in my relationship, I'm probably asking harder questions so that okay. I don't also experience it. But even if for those those uh, younger relationships, they're still asking that question because they've seen the they've seen the implications of an entire generation that didn't ask the why question. Yeah. So yep. I think it's, yeah, on a sociological perspective, you know, they're, that generation's asking some of those really complicated questions of, mm-hmm. let's get this figured out mm-hmm. instead of, let's get into it and then figure it out. They're doing it in their job searches. They're doing it in their college pursuits. They're not just going as linear as graduate, get a degree, get a job, stay at that job for 35 years. Like that's just not the path any longer of, mm-hmm. of you know, the adult. Uh, So it's also not mapping onto their relationships in the same way. To your point of like the first kind of like, how would you like, are there red flags or like, what, what do you do? We, our very first kind of conversation is around marriage mindset. Like, what do you Mm -hmm. think about marriage? What do you hope marriage will do for you? What do you expect to Mm -hmm. get out of marriage? Why are you marrying the other person? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And really that all comes from, for, for me, I did a lot of research into what is it that causes marriages to struggle or or break? And I spent a lot of time researching the like root causes, like what are the the things, the problems in marriage? Um, and once we identified kind of those common categories, uh, I actually stumbled on something very different that I didn't expect to stumble upon. 
um, it wasn't the problems. It was the mindset or, or like how equipped we were to navigate those problems. The problems weren't the thing people, you know, we, they'd identify the problem, but it was their thinking about the problem that was, in fact, the problem. So if they saw the problem as a challenge or we'll figure this out and be better for it, or if they saw the problem as this is horrible and awful and, you know, they'll never change their mind and I'll never change my mind and we're going to be at odds for forever, that those two mindsets, then the same problem, but two different mindsets create then two different trajectories for that relationship. Correct. And I think so many books and so many things that once we're in marriage, we're always looking for the tool, like which hammer do I grab or which, you know, I guess, which screwdriver, is it a flathead or, or a um, Phillips? Yeah. But preparing for marriage, it's way bigger than that. Like, do you mm-hmm. know how to plan a house and build a house long before you ever grab a screwdriver? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where a lot of times we weren't equipped and, and we didn't spend a lot of time equipping people. So we start right there with mindset. Mm-hmm. Like let's mm-hmm. set fair expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I often joke that uh, I would say, I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, I, I often say fairy tales are the worst uh, because fairy <laughs> mm-hmm. tales create this perspective that uh, if you think about things like happily ever after, well, a month in it's not, <laughs> or Maybe it is for three years and then all of a sudden it's not. Well, now do I have the wrong marriage? No, not necessarily. Um, or that I found my one true love, right? These are fairy tale type things. Well, all of a sudden when he or she does something that I don't like, I may, without the right mindset, I come to the conclusion that I married the wrong person. And now I've got to detach myself from that person and go find the next person who is my one true love, mm-hmm. um, which is just not it's not how it works. Right. And so we really try to unpack that mindset to make sure that we can uncover some of these uh, maybe fallacies that we've been, we've either been taught or honestly we've inherited, like we've absorbed these concepts because we've all read mother goose things um, or, you know, whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever it is that we grew up on. uh, They always have a happy ending Mm -hmm. and uh, they're beautiful things, but they don't always translate to real life. So, all that to say, sometimes I spend a little bit of up upfront time chipping away some of the sparkle uh, mm-hmm. and the butterflies and sorting mm-hmm. that into reality. I don't take fear, you know, scare tactics, mm-hmm. but let's like let's ground you in reality um, mm-hmm. rather than when we're dating, we often ignore some of these red flags. Mm-hmm. So my goal through a lot of conversations, questions, and assessments, we identify some at least yellow flags and then talk about that. So you had started this out, and I think I derailed it with a sociological conversation, <laughs> but um, wondering, or you had said there are six things. Now, did you just talk about one and two of them, or have you not done those yet? Yeah, I no, derailed you. I don't know that that's on you. I, I also huh. kind of just said one. Um, so okay. yeah. what we identified, like, as you prepare for marriage, and actually, as mm-hmm. you even navigate marriage, these are the six things that you can keep coming back to, yeah. And evaluate. So I'm a big fan of evaluating and assessment, assessing things, right? Um, <laughs> so like if you could evaluate your marriage on a scale of one to 10 in these six categories, you can always, you can see where are we, what's reality and how do we improve? So <laughs> marriage mindset's the number one in that, like I mentioned, we talk a lot about like 
what do you believe about marriage? What do you think it'll do for you? Why do you love the other person? Um, number two, we look at personality differences. Um, so yeah. really understanding that we are two different people. A lot of times people get married thinking they're going to fix or change the other person. And they're often sorely disappointed um, when that doesn't happen. So what I found out was a lot of people were communicating when they'd come to me with marriage issues, they would use the word incompatible a lot. Um, so when we talk about personality differences, we, we try to shift that, that perspective from compatible versus incompatible to um, complementary. So how do you mm -hmm. take your differences and make them work well together mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. it's an on-off switch of we're either compatible or incompatible. Yeah. So that's where the personality differences kind of comes in. Yeah. So I'm going to just play with that for just a second, because in another podcast that we're doing together, we're talking about emotional intelligence. And in that, as we think about that and talk about that, I think emotional intelligence, emotional awareness of yourself and of others, if I sum that up correctly, um, is often sort of written into some personality traits as well. And so I'm a therapist. I feel. I just do. <laughs> I empathize pretty and easily. And you like feeling. And I like it. <laughs> All of them. I like them. <laughs> However, I'm married to a wonderful attorney, a business attorney. He likes to write things on paper. He doesn't have as many feelings. He doesn't really want to know all of my feelings. Now, he has learned over the years. But in the beginning, he was really stretching to pay attention to all the words I had to say when I came home from working with juvenile delinquents at 11 o'clock at night and all the things, feelings I had all day at that eight to 10 hour shift. So um, I guess as, as I think about that a little bit, I think, okay, make sure you, uh, for my listeners, make sure that you're also paying attention to this emotional intelligence podcast that is up as well. Because those are going to play into understanding personality differences and give you a little boost with that. Yes, it's exactly. I mean, that's why I like the complimentary. And, and it's, mm -hmm. it's a fascinating thing that when we're dating, uh, you and Chip, you mm -hmm. were attracted to your differences. Yes, we the were. The fact that you probably gave him a little more fun in his mm -hmm. um, like bookwormy, because he's a lawyer, mm -hmm. he loves to study mm -hmm. and write. And you provided this sense of spontaneity and fun. Um, and he also helped you remember where your keys were and mm -hmm. right. Like he brought this like stability that a lot of mm -hmm. us want. Mm -hmm. Then we get a couple years into marriage and we determine that's no longer like, you're not like me. So I determined we're incompatible, mm -hmm. but no, we can complement each other. And like you said, on the emotion side, you've helped chip identify and discuss. Mm -hmm. And you've also probably gotten a little more better at, packaging some of your language with him yes. so that he yep. can receive it and deal with it, which leads to the third step in our roadmap. Uh, uh -huh. um, we look at communication styles. And so I say talk and fight styles. Ah. Um, so it's not only just the way we communicate, but it's also how we fight fair and, and navigate conflict, which brings in that emotional intelligence as yeah. well. Um, I like to remind people that the best marriages aren't measured by the absence of adversity, conflict, or difficulty. No. They're always measured by how well we navigate those things. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if we, you know, if our mindset says, well, we're getting married because we're going to be happy forever and we're going to skip forever and hold hands and it's going to be rainbows and lollipops, mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. that breaks the second you fight. 
So we like to equip people with skill sets around how do you fight fair? How do you communicate about emotions? Um, and, and how do you keep kind of the communication lines open? So that's kind of the, the pivotal spot of like, that's session three of six sessions. Yeah, yeah. If I can interject one other piece in that, Mark, um, you, I think you study more early marriage and then I study more ongoing marriage. Yeah. And the in the studies of ongoing marriages of people who have been married 50 years or longer. So this isn't a short term. This is a long term. And we talk to them and we say, well, what got you through? They don't say communication. They say, we learned how to play how to take serious what was serious, how to take lighthearted what didn't need to be serious. And we learned how to be kind. Interesting. And those two are the things that carried us through. So that even when we were at crossroads with each other and hotter than hornets, we knew how to stand down and be kind. And I just find that, you know, as you're talking about sort of the platform for young marriages, um, and early marriages is you're talking sort of just about exactly like this, you know, being able to listen, being able to say, we're not incompatible. What was your word? Complimentary. Compliment- you're, we are complimentary. Yeah. And that's really a kind word. Yeah. When we I feel see incompatible. Strengths, I see your gifts yes. instead of focusing on your weaknesses. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't mention it in the, the first marriage mindset kind of concept. We, we take time to celebrate. Um, and I, I hope that that starts that habit of which really kind of points to Gottman's research on kind of he says that, the, you know, what you're saying that the kindness in a 50 year old marriages, yes. uh, his conclusion was that the, the marriages that last are the ones that are they choose to put on rose colored glasses more often. Yes. Yep. So instead of focusing on the fact that she leaves her shoes out or he leaves a toilet seat up or uh, my kid got a D on that test and you're not as upset about it as I think you should be, or we can look at the strengths and celebrate these things together. So, and that kind of maps throughout the entire relationship. And you're right. The ones that continue to do that, it doesn't mean that we don't have junk. We all have junk. Um, But it's, are we, what's our perspective? And then how do we navigate that junk? Yes. Yeah. 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 So I know your, uh, you know, your podcast also really engages parents. Like, how do we, yes. how do we, I, you have like the best tagline around it, but how do we mm-hmm. continue to love each other while also loving and raising mm-hmm. these kids? What's your, mm-hmm. what's your tagline on, uh, on the yeah. relationship? Oh, it is um, how to be married forever while we parent together. Awesome. I knew yes. it was something catchy. It just wasn't coming to me. Um, so that's, we spend time there in our fourth, uh, kind of the fourth component of the roadmap is upbringing and family. And so I think all of us say, I'm never going to be like my mom or my dad Mm -hmm. until we get into a relationship or we start raising kids. And, and that's what we are because it's the only example we had. Mm -hmm. And so we spend time kind of talking through both sets of families. And sometimes that's blended. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not. Um, What did you experience growing up? And it's as granular as uh, who does what task around the house. I actually steal an example mm-hmm. from a book, uh, a, a pastor uh, out of Chicago wrote a book where he talks about when they first got married, uh, their, their garbage disposal broke. And his wife told him, hey, the garbage disposal is broken. He said, great, call the repairman. Let me know how much it costs. And the fight was on. And he said he had no idea why, right? 
they learned in that moment that she grew up in a family of tinkerers and fixers. And he grew up in a family of his dad was a traveling salesman and you would pay to get stuff fixed. And so her perspective on what a husband does and should do was different from what he experienced. And they had no idea. They were well into their marriage when they ran into this silly disposal conversation. So we like to hit that stuff early and then also paint the picture that when you add a kid to this mix, new things are going to show up. Oh, they do. The way that you parent, middle of the night at 2 a.m., you're going to do exactly what mom and dad did. And you can choose if it's what you want to do, great. You get to choose that. If it's not, hopefully you could have a conversation about it. So upbringing and family. And then in that, we talk a little bit about not just family planning, but like what is your, what's the purpose of your marriage and where do you want to go with your marriage? Um, So that when you insert a job change or a job loss or a child or, you know, whatever it is, your, your kind of plan for your marriage can navigate that well together. So there's kind of this, let's look at past, let's look at future. And then how are we going to walk in that together? What I like about that is in the course DNA for fun, we talk about the D stands for what's your desire or what's your dream, you know, what's your direction, any of those D words. And that makes what you're talking about. We have intention now, and we have a fact that we're going after instead of just riding our emotions and seeing once where we go. For me, in that setting up young marriages and helping young families stay on their feet is to remember you're tired, you're um, weary, and often you're overwhelmed. And we let those emotions dictate our choices. If we don't have that direct desire or direction in front of us, those emotions can take us far out into an ocean and sink. And yeah, we pull it back truth, around. I mean, the unfortunate truth too is that the, the picture of our parents that we see, by the time mm-hmm. we recognize what's going on in our parents' relationships, you know, we're eight, 10 years old. You know, like mm-hmm. what we, maybe it's middle school when we can recall mm-hmm. our parents are at least that many years into their marriage, we never see the part of their marriage that we're experiencing as a young married couple. We never understand mom and dad at two, two years old Mm -hmm. in their marriage. And mom and dad are so far from two years old in their marriage that they can no longer hearken back in the same way. So that's like, we evaluate our year, two year old marriage based on our parents, 30 year old marriage, good and bad. And so helping them see that like your parents have already sailed that and they've already navigated some rough seas. Now it's your job to kind of plan yours and yours doesn't have to look the same as theirs. Your relationship is unique. We could grab parts. I, we actually, two of my favorite questions in that conversation are what's one thing that you've noticed from each set of parents that you would like to continue doing? Like what's one thing you love that you like you would love to replicate and continue it's like generational awesomeness but i also give them permission to say what's one thing in your parents relationship that you would like not to repeat mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't have to be real it doesn't have to go super dark no. um some people do mm-hmm. um but it's really powerful because it gives you choice in your relationship you don't yeah. have to keep doing things exactly as your parents always did yeah. 
and you get to pick, man, my parents were awesome at that. I, we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, the other fun part is it brings the spouses together. Um, you know, future spouses looking at each upbringing, like it's an easy way to talk about, I love that about your parents. Like, I hope we can do that too. Um, so it's a really fun exercise. And I like to invite couples to actually communicate back to their parents, Mm -hmm. what they, what they noticed in the parent relationship. So, you know, go back to your parents and as a couple, because we're trying, Mm -hmm. usually when you're getting married, you're younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to help parents see that you are now coming together as a couple mm-hmm. and go back to both sets of parents and say, we observed, here's who we want to be. Thank you for the example. Mm-hmm. Every parent mm-hmm. wants to know they did a good job. So it, it just, it sets the new couple up for such success and support from, uh, from the parent. Yeah. yeah. And what it does there nicely, I think, is say, you guys are your own couple. Yeah. You are not your mom and your dad. You are your own couple. Now create your own coupleness, your own marriage. Um and be willing to create that piece of art in a way that makes sense for you and your family. For all of the couples involved. Cuz yes. I like to remind people that like you getting married as a young couple is at some point fracturing the dream that your parents had for like you can't possibly have done everything exactly the way they wanted. And so mm-hmm it starts that process in a healthy way of saying, mom and dad, this is, we are spending intentional time planning our future and we're inviting you into the picture of our future. And we're resetting your picture of our future rather than the one Mm -hmm. that you had when you held me as a baby in your arms. Because we're probably not landing exactly there at this point in our lives. So I love doing those, like those Mm -hmm. first four roadmap pieces are really exploratory uh, great conversations. Mm-hmm. And then the next two get a little more tactical, a little more technical. Um, the fifth component is money, um, really. And for mm-hmm. us, it's not how much do you make? It's not uh, one of those conversations, but it's how do you have, how do you start blending and merging financial decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, even simple ones like, do you buy a soda at the gas station or what house are we going to buy? Like, how do we start mm-hmm. doing that together? Mm-hmm. So that one person doesn't have all the control of money. Mm-hmm. Some people usually, you know, one person usually shakes out as the primary bill payer or the, you know, I'm just guessing in your relationship, yeah. Chip likes numbers mm-hmm. and spreadsheets more mm-hmm. than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he does. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're absent from money conversations. And and that's, so we try to help them, yeah. you know, couples start to have those conversations and yes. get comfortable with it. And then mm-hmm. the sixth conversation is around intimacy and mm-hmm. sex and and what does mm-hmm. that look like and how does how does healthy married sex and intimacy mm-hmm. look different from maybe what we've seen or experienced prior to mm-hmm. um so that we really have this ongoing relationship the key thing that i like to add in that intimacy conversation one thing i discovered was the word in hebrew for intimacy is to know i think mm-hmm. it's yada y a d a um and so in this process of becoming more physically and spiritually intimate, you know, like you're revealing parts mm-hmm. of yourself and you're as vulnerable as you could possibly be. And so that's kind of the angle we have that conversation. That's also nice. not necessarily a, uh, a, a how-to conversation. It's more <laughs> of how do we engage this together in, in the healthiest of ways. So those yes. are like the six key areas that every relationship, new and old, should continue yeah. to keep an eye on those gauges of, are we healthy here? And if not, how might we improve it? 
the piece that I like about those last two, the the money and the intimacy, is that in our studies about when children come into the relationship, is that those are often the two that are fought about the most and neglected the most. And so financial messes happen. And so there's disconnected there and disgust. And then there's mismatch in terms of what we expect in terms of emotional intimacy, but also a mismatch in terms of what we expect in bedroom intimacy. Somebody's too tired. Somebody's too weary. Somebody has had children all over them all day long. Not happening. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the importance of understanding how money and intimacy play with the health of the relationship. And really, it's just being able to talk about it and process it and then stay in a compassionate, kind space with each other. Which is why I like the the roadmap concept is that because your relationship is always journeying. So the way your relationship looks at year 10 with three kids versus Mm -hmm. year one with no kids um, or a kid Mm -hmm. or whatever your situation is, your relationship, if you manage these six components, you continue to take those along that journey with you. And you're right. what physical intimacy looks like after three kids mm-hmm. crawling all over you and what it looked like in year one is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be different than what you thought it was different too. Like everything and our bodies change. And, and, you know, those are all things that I didn't know when I was first getting married. Mm-hmm. I like to tell people like mm-hmm. all this stuff is stuff. I, I screwed up a bunch and did research on and put it together into one, one programmatic <laughs> conversation because it's all stuff nobody had these conversations with us Mm -hmm. when we were starting Mm -hmm. to get married. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden we hit some bumpy spots and our marriage was not like our boat was not equipped to hit those Mm -hmm. rough seas. And, uh, thankfully, uh, you know, learning some of the stuff helped us, you know, be more equipped to navigate it. But I want to help people be able to do that better. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and I guess you're still going to experience some rough seas, but be better able to navigate them, um, rather than ask like really, really hard questions about does this do I still like the ship I'm on? Yeah. Um, and that's not a question that we necessarily mm-hmm. need to ask if we're really uh, intentional about the ship we climb into. Mm-hmm. And then how, what are the key components of navigating that yeah. ship? Yeah. And it's keeping, taking care of the upkeep on that relationship ship. Yes. Um, that is sort of the ongoing importance. We don't have any control over the weather. I'm a boating person, so I like being on the water, but well aware that I don't control the weather. But if I keep my boat in fairly good shape with good emergency equipment and with good core skills, those six, then I probably can stay afloat. Yeah. And I might have some cleanup to do after a storm, but I'm still floating. And uniquely, we very intentionally built that roadmap almost like mm-hmm. a, a pyramid shape. It, it goes from like foundation of marriage mindset mm-hmm. um, all the way up to money and 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 intimacy, intimacy. love life. Yep. Um, and some people disagree with me on this, but my thought, and I've experienced this with people, with couples, real life uh, relationships, that you can be a, a financial, in financial mm-hmm. ruin, um, you can also have essentially you can have no physical intimacy and still have a pretty solid boat. It's not my mm-hmm. ideal. Don't hear me yes. say like those two don't matter, but the first four are crucial 
And the five and six, the money and intimacy are almost icing on the cake. Um, and again, I don't want to like put them down as, as mm-hmm. if they're not important. Um, but I do know people who have lost everything financially and still have a very good relationship. Mm-hmm. I know some people who physically are incapable of physical intimacy because of injuries or whatever that looks like. They can still have a phenomenal relationship, phenomenal marriage. Unfortunately, our expectations going into marriage has this kind of pyramid flipped upside down. We start with sex and money. And I think that's what you're getting at is when a lot of marriages kind of Mm -hmm. fracture around sex and money because we've made them number one, two, and three, and they're not. Um, They're mountaintop kind of Mm -hmm. pieces to a relationship. And Good point. And I also know couples where like sex is great and money is great. Mm -hmm. And they have all the others aren't there. They don't have a they don't have a healthy. We call you know we we want meaning. So we always talk about meaningful marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can have you know a great sex life and a ton of money mm-hmm. and still have not a meaningful marriage. Mm-hmm. The other way around is not true. You can have mm-hmm. not have those things, have the other four foundational mm-hmm. things, and still have a very meaningful existence. Yeah, yeah. I love how clearly you have laid that out. Um, in terms of being able to say, well, let's look at how we're doing and saying, talk about these every anniversary. You didn't say every anniversary I did, but I'm like, talk about it every anniversary, you know, Um, or whatever date you want to set it, but put it on your calendar. Um, Make it so that it's something that you can find um, and reuse and visit back again. When you've hit a ditch, go back to your core four and say, what do we have to do? Yes. Absolutely. Um, and and we do, I didn't say yeah. it here. So you're right on track. We, you know, in the marriage mindset conversation, mm-hmm. we talk about what are your top five moments as a couple. Mm-hmm. So we, that's that celebrate piece. Yeah. And then we say like, this is the habit you're trying to form mm-hmm. every single year on your anniversary, revisit your top five moments. And admittedly uh-huh. year one or year four, it might be mm-hmm. clunky. Mm-hmm. If you add kids to the mix and a new job mm-hmm. and what new city, whatever the complications yeah. are, It may be clunky to start, but I've seen people turn tragedies or difficult things Mm -hmm. into top five moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. just such a great habit, which is back to that kindness, um, rose-colored glasses. Keep that into your life. And that better equips you to navigate some of those other things throughout your relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, you know, like I said at the very beginning, it's not set it and forget it. This is stuff Mm -hmm. that we regularly revisit. And you, when you notice a little bit of like, like we talked about boats, if your if your sail has a tear in it, you have to fix mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. have to put gas in a motorized boat. You have to change the oil. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. is what a marriage requires to experience success. So we equip people with a workbook, and mm-hmm. you get to like, don't just do it once. Ashley and I try to. Do, it's not a perfect once a year, mm-hmm. but we revisit these concepts every single year. Um, we almost work through our program that regularly in order to make sure that we continue to have a working functional boat Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. sail these beautiful waters and the rough seas. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love the ideas. Um, I think my listeners are running up and up to supper time or bedtime here. So any other final ideas that you'd like to give them? I would say the reminder that if there are chinks in the armor, if the boat is feeling like it's uh, not perfect. Don't abandon ship. Uh, it is something that we need to continue to do maintenance. And when life gets complicated with kids and meal prep and 
uh, jobs and all of that, that doesn't eliminate, like we would never take our boat out on the water without the necessary checks and balances to make sure it's ready to go. And so that's one of those things like this is, this is the place that we need to spend time investing. The marriage is the number one relationship that kids benefit from. Like everything else is, is a result of. And so it's the number one relationship we have and it requires and deserves our attention and investment. Well said, you're so right. So often I say the kids follow the parents. When the parents do well, the kids will do well. And so taking good care of that relationship um, is just of good value. And both the relationships, the individuals there and the family are worth the effort. You've given some really good guidelines, very concrete ways to say, this is how you take care of it. So I just want to encourage my listeners to take care of it. Keep your boat afloat. Take care of the daily, weekly, yearly maintenance and have some fun. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. (laughs) Absolutely, it was. (laughs) Good to see you again. And we'll catch up with you again later. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. Mark, thank you so much for this wonderful information. The six steps that you set up for us are so concrete and direct that I just feel like they feel doable, that we feel empowered. I just want to encourage my listeners, be sure that you are grabbing the printable for this and using it like Mark said, year after year, anniversary after anniversary, and using it when you feel like there's a bump in the road to be able to say, what of the six here is off and how can we best reset? You guys are worth it. Your relationships are worth it. And we are glad that you joined us here today. There are two other supports besides the printables we just want to briefly mention. One of them is that Mark has a website, themeaningfulmarriage.us, that has some other courses on it if you want a little boost in some ways or you want to help somebody else who's just thinking about getting married. Mark knows how to do this and does it well. The DNA for Fun Communications course on Us and Kids website is also available for your purchase and for using in order to really beef up your relationships. It has workbooks and it has practice sheets that go along with it that really add strength into your relationship, both with your kids and with your spouse. As always, so glad you stopped by, so glad you joined us and cheering for you. Keep on working on keeping that marriage forever while you parent together. You're all worth it. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.